Today I'm going to do a reaction and share with you my thoughts on this article. The title reads, How I Achieved 100,000 by Age of 26, Working as a Registered Nurse in Singapore. This lady, she has actually created a blog and my first thoughts was Wix, this platform which is a free website building platform. I actually built my website, The SU Parent, firstly with Wix. So I've always advocated on the channel before. If you are a new young working adult, the best way to showcase what you have achieved is via building your own website. And Wix is just a very simple platform to start showcasing some of your talents and in this case, writing a particular blog. So kudos to Dawn for using this and showcasing her thoughts, which I think have very valid points for everyone listening in, whether you are going into the workforce or you are just started working or you are a bit more experienced in the workforce like myself. I'm closer to 40 already, so much older than Dawn. So let's listen what she has done to reach this 100,000, which is usually a milestone that somehow informs we keep hearing 100,000 by age of 30, but she's achieved that by the age of 26. She actually graduated back in 2016, and she actually started officially working at the age of 22. So she's 26 now, means four years of working. So in Singapore, for guys, we maybe start work a bit later. So 26 may not be achievable unless you happen to join a very lucrative industry. But I think the takeaway point is four years in full-time work, Dawn has actually reached this 100,000 savings mark already. That means if she started with $0 at graduation, it is actually $25,000 cash saved up each year. And how she actually achieved that is she started to read a lot of financial articles on Seedly or SG Budget on her off days. Now, if you are a young working adult, I think this is something I'll definitely suggest for you. Or if you want to up your financial literacy, I think Silly is a place that also posts content. And there is a lot of discussion in that Facebook group. I strongly believe that if you are spending more time in finance, talking about money all the time, you'll definitely start building up some savings. You cannot go broke because simply everyone around there is doing the right things financially. So through osmosis, you get to learn the good habits and you get to keep yourself updated on what are best possible practices. So again, don't go wasting time playing games or don't go into groups instead that talk about gossip all day long. Let's also click on to SG Bajabib's article to see where her inspiration actually came about from. And in SG Bajabib, I'll probably be seeing her in the upcoming Sydney's Financial Festival. And SG Bajabib has actually been sharing on financial knowledge for a very long while. If we were to dive to SG Bajabib's article itself, we realize the key points of how she herself also saved out 100000 before the age of 30 without working in finance was to firstly aim to save 50% of take-home pay, secondly to save all the bonuses instead of spending it, and last but not least to park that money in a good savings account. Now let's touch on 50% take-home pay. I've created a previous content very recently actually so the numbers are very fresh. If you happen to save 50% of take-home pay, which means 50% expenses, 50% take-home pay, that means that you need 16 years to reach financial freedom. That is also assuming if you get an investment rate of return of 6%. How does that actually work? Take for example, if you earn $5,000 a month, 50% expenses means you spend $2,005 and you save up $2,005. If we were to use the 4% rule, you would realize that $30,000 annual expenses means that 25 years of $30,000, you need $750,000 before you are defined to be financially free. So as always, adjust that figures to your reality because everybody has a different financial background. Some people have elderly parents to take care of, children to feed. $2,500 in expenses is something they cannot reach. On the other hand, someone who is single with not many dependents, no house to pay down and stuff, 
Saving 2,005 or 50% of savings is a lot easier. So again, fit that situation to your reality. Then the point on saving bonuses. I fully agree on that. Bonuses are meant to be saved if you care about your retirement because whatever you put in today, if you compound it, can help you in your future years. Last but not least, park your monies in good savings account. For myself, I use the OCBC 360. I've also seen private clients use UOB1 account, DBS multiplier. I think these are very, very readily accessible high interest accounts that are out there. But as you have seen in 2020 period, these high interest accounts can also come down in interest rate. Now. So the best way to grow a wealth is still investing. But let's dive back to Dawn's article. Her first point is to start paying yourself first. Fully agree on that. And she's actually quoted for Warren Buffett. Do not save what is left after spending, but spend what is left after saving. And one simple way I can value add to that comment is that if you have already set up an investment account, what you can do is to channel from your bank a gyro account out every month, $1,500 invested directly. Uh, then you don't see in a bank account, there is no way to spend it off unless you sell away the investment, which makes the whole discipline part a lot easier. Point number two that Dawn has raised that helped her achieve 100,000 in four years of work. She started to differentiate between needs and wants. She elaborates further that her younger self would have wanted a Chanel bag or some gold Cartier love bracelet. These are fancy things that is nice to have, but definitely falls within the wants column. A needs column is where, you know, food, transport, these are definitely needs to keep your day-to-day -day living. And understanding that philosophy of needs versus wants, she shared that has impacted her approach to doing makeup because right now she does a lot simpler makeup, which allows her skin to breathe more easily. Minimalism became her newfound religion. Saving on makeup itself already cut their expenses. So that's that makes it also saving time. But you can use that time to earn a side hustle or to actually do more reading because that's actually where you grow in terms of knowledge. I'd like to further elaborate on this point of needs versus wants. Sometimes there is no clear cut thing. Do we need a coffee? For example, Starbucks, there's this common saying that if you spend on Starbucks, you're going to impact your financial freedom journey because Starbucks costs $7, thereabouts. On the other hand, if you go to the coffee shop, the, the coffee only costs $1.50 or $2. So the common saying is, you know, if you practice that Starbucks spending mentality, unfortunately, Starbucks is categorized as a lavish spending, you are hurting your financial freedom because that money can be safe. It is true to a large extent. But on the other hand, saving that $5 in difference does not make a very, very material difference in a lot of ways. But the concept applies simply because the attitude that you do something may be the attitude that you do everything. If we are not frugal, if we are loose, you realize that we would spend anyhow. If you go to Starbucks occasionally, friends are there and you do an urgent meeting with a good environment, which is what I used to do a little bit more, then Starbucks still works. Spending at $7 is good money worth. But day-to-day -day costs, uh, then you might just want to make your own coffee at home and stuff, or find simpler alternatives. That frugalness in thinking what are cheaper alternatives is the key, not that you buy a sandal string is going to harm you. That frugalness needs to be applied to each decision-making that you make before you spend your dollar. That also applies to children. A lot of parents send their kids to fancy, expensive enrichment classes and ATAS childcare centers. No doubt there is benefit to having some, but there's always a fine balance that applies to each and every purchasing decision that we want. Quoting from her, she questions whether she really needs it or not. Would there be a sale later? There's always, you know, Shopee, 11, 11 sale and stuff. Are there cheaper alternatives? Yeah, this is, this is slowing down the buying process, you get it? So if you're looking to save a bit more or encourage your partner to save a bit more, get them to go on this loop. Slow down the spending process. You realize that money does not flow out too quickly already. Are there promotional codes? 
Is there cashback available? Is this available on Shopback app? Should I use credit or debit card? You see, if you are new into the adult world, these are little little tips already on where you can cut back on on 3-5% rebates and stuff. These will add up materially and more importantly, it slows down again your buying process and sometimes you slow down you realize you may not actually need it already. Reading on from her sharing, she's mentioned that she now views things in what she purchased as hours to work to afford this item. Which means if that new phone is $1,000, that could cost like a week's of work. Uh, so you think of it that way, you realize, hey, I need to pay a price to buy that. That's actually a very effective method that helps anyone think twice as before shelling out that expense. Follow the 80-20 rule, big ticket items, which means your new phone, new computer, new holiday, slow down on this. Because 80-20 rule, you, if you think twice about this, you pull back on this a bit harder, the impact is usually bigger. Last but not least, renovation should also be thrown into the equation. Because many people splurge six figures on renovation and uh, sometimes you also realize no matter what you do inside the house if your neighbors suck then uh, there's a problem but anyway my neighbors are good i'm just saying we need to be cautious of not doing a one-up on one another doing fancy renovations or also wedding dinners that's that's another thing that usually comes up uh, in foreigners complaints third point that dawn has actually suggested that she has read many financial blogs that advocate 50 30 20 rule in budgeting i'll actually leave a previous tutorial i've done before over here and towards the end of this and she became super motivated to reach 100,000 go faster and her solution was to save 80% of take-home pay now that's fantastic in Singapore's situation that's really if I hear correctly after the CPF take-home pay so take note of that which means in Singapore's context if you earn $5,000 your take-home pay is $4,000 which means you save 80% of $4,000 $3,002 which explains how she actually got to 100,000 in four years so 80% of take-home pay. Uh, but of course, from what we read, we can guess that she doesn't have kids and elderly parents to take care of. That's why saving 80% is still doable. Now with that, also maybe try to give a balancing point of view. If you are just started in the working force, your salary is $3,000, then 80% part, don't worry too much about it because that doesn't make sense. There is a minimum expense that we need. If not, we might be calling our friends to pay our bills or call our parents to pay our bills. That's, that goes beyond frugalness. That becomes stingy already. So take this percentage with a pinch of salt and apply it to a situation. On the other hand, if you are a high income earner, saving 80% is super easy because a big amount times 80% if you are frugal, very easy to get by. But what she shared to practice saving a big ratio, which is more important, was she started pack lunches. She shared that. Very nice, fancy food that even her partner uh, is also making for her. So congrats. Cooking food is always a fun activity. Yeah? And it's actually one of my secrets to save money when I was you know, much younger with my wife when we were still dating back then. I only splurged on the restaurant for our first Valentine. And you know, for the rest of the years, we actually went to fixed price places or simply just cooked at home. She also shared that she went only to coffee shops to buy vegetable rice. Uh, this part looks a bit sad, looks a bit too stingy. No bagnolas, no bubble tea, no grab food. Ah, grab food. Uh, I happen to know nurses a bit more. I also hear that when nurses do calls, there is a culture to order in a lot of food. And grab food is expensive. There, there is a delivery fee added to it and it's marked up and stuff. You already know that. But the culture uh, of eating suppers and stuff during shift work uh, can cost a bit of money. And to not, not participate is sometimes also a bit hard because everybody's ordering or you smell the great food over there during your shift and it sucks. So Don has further shared that she learned to eat to live and not live to eat. Maybe that is also a bit too extreme. Uh, pull back on that at some point. Uh, maybe the first 100,000, yeah, 
grind very hard like what don has done already achieved already uh, but once you pass a certain affluent stage uh, then we only have a finite lifetime to enjoy some things uh, don't go with the eat to live part like, if not we are like bodybuilders only eating a uh, chicken breast and salad and don't drink anything fancy or eat anything fancy D- don't go to extremes that's that's my point don has further mentioned that we need to balance between saving for future and yoloing your money away got to strike a balance between the two also i think maybe that's where she also is thinking about the same point fourth point that don has suggested or her fourth tip in helping herself get to hundred thousand dollars savings with four years of work at age of 26. Her younger self jumped into jobs from cleaning work back to hospital settings simply because hospitals not only do you get to learn more, be exposed to more cases, pick up more clinical skills, you get to do shifts and from there you can earn more allowances and hospitals generally give better paychecks. Right now, she has to tolerate working shifts and maybe she might contemplate more office hours at a later age. I think that's very true. When you are young, doing shifts, you can recover. Uh, when we are older, you know, our sleep cycle and stuff. Uh, you, you kind of know that already. But the interesting part is, you know, when we move on to the next life stage, have kids, I think this is a very important part. Or rather why I've advocated my wife to take on a role that's not shift-based. It makes planning a lot harder when you are on shift work because you need your other half to be around to take care of kids or you need an infrastructure of grandparents and mates and stuff. Shift work is always a bit more taxing on family life, which means also weekends. Uh, you may not be able to enjoy that time off. So I guess if you are doing shift work, you already know that and some grievances that you might want to share, do always leave them in the comments sections. And as always, if you haven't smashed the like button, help me do so uh, because we are actually trying to reach a bigger audience together to spread the message on financial literacy and how to build up wealth properly on this show itself. Last but not least, Dawn has actually shared that she read this book, Reach That Poor Dad. I would encourage you even picked up that book before. The poor dad says that the love for money is the root of all evil, but the rich dad says the lack of money is the root of all evil. It is true. Make sure that you are able to provide yourself in retirement. If not, you know, the sandwich generation theory comes about. We layer our problems on the next generation and it makes it harder on their journey. So make sure you have enough money. Make sure you get the first 100,000. Then after that, you have something to compound and then after you can relax a bit more in terms of squeezing out savings quickly but you realize that many low-income families get to problems simply because there is a lack of money it is true in low-income families they work in many ad hoc jobs like grab food grab rider in gig economy and stuff you will realize that in the low-income environment where there's lack of money there is always a lot of difficulty to plan for the future difficulty to provide for the kids in their future Living month to month, which actually can be very tiring because you're always stressing on the next bill to pay. A lot of mistrust, borrowing money's here and there because everybody lacks money, everybody has that mentality. And a lot of relationships are also spoiled because of that. They are also unable to save up for their house, which means they always have to pay rent. They can't own a home and Singapore's home prices are going up. They can't benefit. And not just that, they can't settle in a place long enough, which makes a lot of inconveniences here and there to settle down for family. In Singapore, there are a lot of rental flats and government has actually done a lot of social services to help them get out of their financial situation and that's why they're actually low-income families that get a lot of grants to get their first house. But the problem is lack of education means they can't really keep the house because there's still expenses they need to pay to service that mortgage. And as a last point, when there's a lack of money, there's always a temptation to take shortcuts. How to get rich quickly, a lot of total buying, a lot of falling for scams, etc. etc. So that's the thing that I also agree with. Moving on a bit further, Don has also shared that being self-disciplined and committed to your actions 
is important in order to reach the goals that you have set for yourself. On tougher days, having discipline will take you much further than motivation can. I think that applies not just to building up finances, that applies to many parts of our lives. Take for example running YouTube channel. On some days, I feel too tired and motivation cannot get me across the line. It is habits. Habits, putting aside some time, having to grind through difficult parts, difficult periods, pre-planning when you have the motivation, doing a bit more so they have a buffer. These are things I've done for myself and that's something that I also encourage for anybody to take their lives to a higher level. Have discipline. That's something I also preach to my own son. Discipline is very important. Discipline helps you get past tough days because motivation is fleeting. It can come and go very quickly. Reading on further, Dawn has shared that she started to learn more about finances and investments during her off days and downtime. Do that for yourself also if you want to up your own financial skills. She's gotten some basics in investments. And speaking of this, I also like to put my course in links below to also advocate for you if you would like to learn more about stock investing. I have a course that's fully online. Doing go for some fancy workshop and stuff. And I actually put my experience in the stock markets in that course itself. And hopefully it delivers you big value. And moving forward, you have to practice some things that I teach in that course. Reading on a bit further, throughout Dawn's experience as a nurse who has nursed both subsidized and private patients in her line of work, witnessing how money can greatly impact one's quality of life, social status, which then can have a greater impact both positive and negative results on health outcomes and treatment plans. I think that's true actually. Uh, we kind of can guess why already. Because when we go to a private ward and we go to a subsidized ward, the service quality is very different. Let's use delivery, uh, pregnancy delivery as a subject for discussion. If you haven't heard about it, maybe this could be an eye-opener. If you go to a subsidized ward in government hospitals because you can't afford to pay for better gynae and stuff, you go to subsidized wards. The service quality is going to be very different from when you go to private hospitals or if you go as an A-class ward, even to KKH, SGH or NUH. In a government A-class ward, you also get to pick your gynae, which is also going to have a very different experience in the delivery process than someone who is a bit more junior. So that's the reality of things. Dawn has further shared that she now does not waste any time, energy and money following blindly what society thinks she ought to have. I wish that for you also. And to conclude things, she would next write an article on why healthcare professionals, especially nurses, should strive to be financially savvy. I guess it's true because of industry, healthcare professionals are busy and don't deal with numbers. You know, that's unlike someone in banking and finance. The only time talking about numbers is regarding pay. And speaking about pay, I hope government raises you know, the pay for healthcare staff because what we see in COVID is that it was a hard period for nurses and doctors and everybody in that industry. Don is a nurse and although we have 42,000 nurses, that number according to this article by Straits Times is too low. And maybe this topic should be expanded because everybody, not just healthcare professionals, should be more financially savvy. And I actually want to do a quick check on chat GPT just to get a quick answer. You know, ChatGPT is taking so much attention right now because it can generate you articles, answers in a conversational format, correct? So what I realized is if we were to put this question to ChatGPT, we'll get an answer that looks like this, very elongated. But I guess the first point is very true, financial security. The rest of the points may not apply to us, but I think when I look through this, the first point really resonates. Financial security, it means you know how to build up emergency savings. Then, some wealth quickly so that if you fall sick and you can't work, you at least have something to fall back on. You no know, healthcare work, for example, cannot be done working from home. 
And what that means also is if livelihood is affected, you still need to take care of expenses. These are things that you need to take ownership and responsibility. And it can be all learned listening to podcasts like what I'm doing here right now. So as always, smash the like, smash the subscribe. Share with a friend who should hear this message also. And thank you for watching till here. With that, I'll sign up from this show. And I'll see you in the next one. Take care as always. Goodbye.